plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Monday, August the twenty eighth edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host. Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. On today's show, very excited about a very, very special guest. Kevin Dern, formerly of the Finalysis podcast, joins me to discuss the Miami Dolphins defense, what to expect from Matt Burke, final roster predictions, and much, much more. But before we get into all that, into the meat of the episode, I have to remind you guys to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Drop me a five-star rating. Write me a nice review. That's how I'm judged by my employer, so it really, really helps me out, and I really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports family of podcasts, including the Locked On NFL podcast and the Locked On Heat podcast for national and local coverage of your favorite teams. Lastly, follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Check out my personal website, thirdand10.com, where you can find week three preseason quarterback grades, But for now, let's get back into the Dolphins and talk about the offense from the other night first. You guys heard me riffing on the offense and Jay Cutler and the skill players, the running backs, all that stuff. And I think the Dolphins are pretty well set in terms of their skill positions. We know about Jay Cutler. We know about the receivers, Landry Parker and Stills. We know about Ajayi and what they can do. But the big concern with this team has been and probably will be going throughout the course of the entire season, the offensive line. And if you look into the game from Thursday against the Eagles or just kind of the preseason as a comprehensive whole, you'll kind of see what the team is thinking in terms of who is going to be guys that they're going to count on. And I think if you look at the reps and the snap counts, I think it's a pretty fair sign of who will play. And we know what the starters, obviously Laramie Tunzel is your left tackle. I think left guard, I think we decided that that's going to be Jesse Davis starting opening day. He got the start against the Eagles, played pretty well and has been playing with the first team in the previous preseason games as well. So Jesse Davis, probably your left guard. Center, we know about Mike Pouncey. He looks, I guess, healthy for now. I mean, (laughs) that's kind of a day-to-day proposition at this point. So he's the center. Right guard is Jermon Bushrod, and the right tackle is Jawan James. That'll be the five that they'll roll with on opening day, and you hope that you can get 16 starts out of all those guys. We know that's not realistic, especially being Dolphins fans and, and going through this somewhat turnover every single year on the offensive line. So what I wanted to do was kind of just talk to you guys a little bit about who will be the backups on the offensive line and for what reason. And I think they're going to have to keep nine this year. And we'll get to the the roster predictions later on with Kevin Dern uh, when he comes on to join the show. But I think the first the first mention that I want to make is Jake Brendel, who was a practice squad late addition last year towards the end of the year. And he's getting reps 
at center early. He was starting at center for a couple of the preseason games. And then he came on right after Mike Pouncey came off. And this was following the Jordan Phillips interception. So two starts and then second team center backing up Pouncey in the third game. I think that's a pretty fair sign that they want to roll with him as a depth guy. Uh, top interior option off the bench, perhaps. And the other guy that could be a, another option off the bench is Anthony Steen, who has gotten starts at guard and center in this preseason. So you, you got to figure he's going to be a part of the, he's going to be, involved in the equation as well since he's getting a lot of time with the first team in preseason. Craig Urbic is a tough one to call. He could be a veteran cut even though he's supposed to be back. I'm not really sure when the timeline for his injury is, but he should be back relatively soon uh, within a couple of games of the regular season. But he is a top interior option there as well, veteran presence for the Dolphins. And then the fourth one I think is a really tough position to call. Sam Young was signed and re-upped to be the swing tackle. He actually played pretty good last year in place of Laramie Tunzel at left tackle. And you have to wonder how much of that is the fact that he is only going to be a left tackle reserve for you because when he plays right tackle, it's not quite as good. So Sam Young, I think he's a potential fringe roster cut. I, I think your two for sure guys are going to be Brendel and Steen. And then between Craig Urbick, Sam Young, Eric Smith, and then the rookie Isaac Asiata that everybody was pretty high on in the preseason, I think those four guys will make up two the last two roster spots and I really don't know who to go with. I will give you my prediction when we get Kevin on, like I mentioned, for the entire 53-man roster prediction. And let's go ahead and do that right now. Let's get Kevin Dern in here. But before we do that, let's get to the advertising first, a worth from our sponsor, and we'll come back and we'll talk with Kevin Dern right after this. Yo, everybody get up! Everybody get up! Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service, so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep, and she don't know where to find them. Go, Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. All right, welcome back into the Locked On Dolphins podcast, a member of the Locked On Sports Network. My guest joining me now, he needs no introduction. If you're familiar with my previous podcast, the defensive coordinator himself, Kevin Dern. Kevin, how have you been, man? I've been doing well, Travis. Busy this summer, getting ready for the wedding, but uh, doing pretty well. Excited for football season to be back. It's that time of year again. I was actually outside on the porch this morning, and it just felt like fall. And I know we got, I think, one college football game today. We're recording on Saturday. One college football game today, and I just can't wait to get everything back going again. And it's fun to talk to you again here. But before we get into the defense, Kevin specializes in, in defensive schemes and, and evaluation. He's just he's really spot on that kind of stuff. And uh, I kind of take the offensive side, at least we did on the pr- previous podcast that we did together. But I wanted to lead into my offensive 24 that I'm going to keep. And then Kevin's got his 26 defensive players he wants to keep. But I want to ask him if he has any qualms with my picks. I'm going to go position by position here and just tell me whether or not you agree or disagree, Kev. All right? All right. Sounds good. All right. So the quarterbacks, I think that's pretty easy. Jay Cutler and Matt Moore are going to be the two quarterbacks. My running backs right now, I, I went with four. And based, it's pretty much based on what we saw in the Week 2 game against Baltimore. Jay Ajayi, obviously your starter. Kenyon Drake, Damian Williams, the two and the three. I don't know what order it's going to be in yet. But I'm going to keep Sonoris Perry because I thought he showed potential on the types of runs the Dolphins like to run, that outside zone play that you and I both became so fond of last year. 
And then the receivers, I think the first three can't be any more obvious. Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills. I'm actually, I've got Jakeem Grant as my number four. I think he's shown the most big playability. You'll be happy to hear that, Kev, because you know how hard I've been <laughs> on that guy for his entire one and a half year here so far. And then I'm going with Demora Stringfellow and Leontay Carew rounding it out simply because of what they gave up to get Carew. So we'll come back to you on that one. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the receivers. Tight ends are going to be Julius Thomas, much to my dismay. Anthony Fasano, Marquise Gray are the three. And then the offensive line starting as Laramie Tunzel, Jesse Davis, Mike Pouncey, Jamon Bushrod, and Jawan James. And now the four offensive linemen. I talked about this before I had you on here, Kev, but I think that Anthony Steen and Jake Brendel are kind of shoe-ins at this point because they've been they've gotten so many first team reps uh in the preseason with you know with the first team. <laughs> no other way to say that. And then the other guys that I was having a hard time with are Craig Urbick, Sam Young, Eric Smith, and Isaac Asiata. And I'm going to keep Craig Urbick and Eric Smith for the reason that I think Sam Young is strictly a left tackle only type of guy. And I think that if Tunzel gets hurt, you can slide Bushrod over there and shuffle that way. And then Craig Urbick is just kind of has that veteran experience. We've seen him play at least okay at times with this line. So I'm going with those two guys. And then my practice squad, I'm going to stash Eric Smith on there, hopefully. Hopefully get him on there. So Sam Young is cut. I'm going to go with Brandon Dowdy, Drew Morgan, Mitch Matthews, Thomas Duarte, Isaac Asiata, and Avery Young. I'm not sure if he has eligibility, but I'm going to go with Avery Young on the practice squad as well. So that's my list. Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, that's. Uh, I actually typed it up the other day when you, you asked me to come on, like my whole 53-man roster, and Honestly, there's only one difference, um, and you know, I, I I don't even fault you for the one difference that we have. Um, I actually didn't keep Sonoris Perry. Um, I kept a tenth offensive lineman. I kept Sam Young, just because Eric Smith didn't look very good the other night at left tackle. But that's not to say they, you know, they couldn't do that. And I wouldn't even be mad if Sonoris Perry made it. He's been pretty good on special teams. Um, he looked good running the ball against the Ravens back in the second game. Um, so yeah, I think that 24 sounds fine. Um, practice squad guys, um, no argument from me at this point. Um, I don't know, maybe they'll find another receiver out there other than Mitch Matthews. I think he's been on like four or five NFL teams at this (laughs) point, but I mean, but I mean, I mean, it's practice squad and, you know, they're going to face some big receivers, especially week one with, um, Mike Evans. So that might be a a handy thing to have. That's a really good point. I like that 24. Well, I'm glad you do. And that's, that's a really good point you mentioned that because I actually read an article the other day. I think it was on The Ringer, and it was all about um, what's, what professional scouts do and what their job is and how the, the roster overturn is a daily thing and how a lot of times the practice squad isn't really necessarily guys that you think are going to be like long-term contributors, but more about guys that you think could actually help you get ready for your next opponent or guys that you know, you're know you doing a favor for an agent. There's so many things that go into it. So I think that, that that's a really good point about Mitch Matthews and the way he could you know, kind of emulate Mike Evans. And that, that list is going to overturn you know throughout the year. Sometimes it stays somewhat the same, but there's always a good chance it could overturn. But the one that I think is really interesting that we both agreed on was our fifth-round draft pick, Isaac Asiata, the guard from Utah. And you know that I was high on him coming out just because he we mentioned this before the show a little bit. He had some good tape where he, he can really blow guys off the ball and – Plays with a lot of power, but he also whiffs like a like a lot. <laughs> he he misses guys a lot. So I I'm curious to hear your thoughts. One, what happened with Isaac Asiata, and two, if we do stash him on the practice squad, is he going to last there? 
Yeah, um, I remember you, you were pretty psyched when we got him in the fifth round on draft day. And, uh, you know, I, 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 did, I wasn't mad at the pick when, when the Dolphins made it. I just kind of, you know, reading through everything, you know me, I, I like that Nolan Narwaki. I get his draft guide every year. And he's got Isaac Asiata as the 74th player overall. You know, he rates his top 150 players. Isaac Asiata just barely cracks that top half. So I was pretty excited. Um, over the summer, I went back. I found four games of his on YouTube that I watched. And the there's just there's a lot of bad mixed in there with a few really, really good plays. Um, the one thing that I was going to ask you about is, do you think his weight has anything to do with it? Because... Everything I found online about him at Utah and in the draft guide, and even when the Dolphins first drafted him, when they update their roster, had him at 323 pounds. When they got to training camp, he came in and they changed his weight to like, I think it was 341. And I know that's one thing that's always kind of puzzled me about it. You know, he doesn't move well. He's already a big guy. And now he's even bigger, which doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned earlier, at least in pre-show production, if you will, about kind of the, the size prototype that these these coaches and the, and the scouting staff goes with. And you see the, the weight differences there, and he really is the anomaly out of the offensive line in terms of weight, especially the especially what he showed up at camp with. So I think that's a very good val- a very valid point and definitely something that they probably, you know, Adam Gay seems to be one of those guys where if you come in and you get things done the right way, you're going to put yourself in a good position for the rest of the season. But if you come in and you, and you just you act like you don't care or something where it shows you didn't put in the time and dedication that other guys did, it's, it, he seems to hold that against guys, and, and rightfully so. And I wonder if that could be something what's going on. And, and obviously his, his performance has not helped either. But let's move on from the offense, Kevin, get into what you came in here for. And I want to talk about this defense with you. I want to hear... We'll, I'll, I'll lay it out for you, then we'll go into the first thing. The first thing I want to hear is thoughts from Thursday night's game on the defense. All those communication breakdowns seem to happen. Some individual evaluations. Two, I want to hear your thoughts on Matt Burke in general. You have some great stuff up on the Dolphins message board, thefins.com, about what the defense will look like this year. You do it every year. It's the best post of the year, in my opinion, every year. And then I have a few questions for you at the end. So let's get into your takeaways from Thursday night's game on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'd say first and foremost, uh, thank goodness it's only the preseason. Right. <laughs> anytime you're giving up 38 points, that's not a good thing. And you know, anytime you give up, I think it was what the Eagles' second play, they scored that you know the long pass to Torrey Smith. Yeah. So that's never good. Um, I think it's it's one of those things. It's hard to judge because you don't really know how much or how little they game planned for a preseason game. You know. Being that it's the third game, I imagine they did a little more than they normally would. But, um, you know, I, I was I was kind of pleasantly surprised with how the run defense was against the first team, at least when the Dolphins starters were out there. Um, but the passing defense, there were way too many breakdowns. Uh, Byron Maxwell, you know, kind of got burned up and down the field and all across it. Um, you know, the breakdown with Rashad Jones on the deep pass, that shouldn't happen. There were missed tackles by guys you know, like Rashad, who you normally see making them. So I'm just going to chalk it up, and hopefully, you know, when they get ready for Tampa Bay and they're actually game planning all the way through the week for a specific opponent and specific schemes, um, it'll look better. Um, I think as as far as Matt Berg goes, I think you're going to see sort of a a true blue wide nine, um, more so than what we saw with Vance Joseph last year. Um, I think there will be a couple things wrinkled in. They've kind of mixed in this sort of, 
pseudo 4-3 underlooking package with Lawrence Timmons up on the line. Um, I don't know if you saw there were a couple photos on the Dolphins message board, the Finns, where we both are members. Um, but I think they'll do a better job stopping the run. I think Burke will have more of a handle on how to, to get the front seven in position than Vance Joseph did. Um, I think Vance was all, you know, has always been a secondary guy at heart. Um, I was really impressed with some of the creative blitzes. I think the one where Andre Branch, I think, got credit for the sack. Rashad Jones and Lawrence Timmons were both right there as well. So, and then I think I actually texted you, like, "Hey, Burke, you know, quit showing these on, <laughs> on, on live TV here." I know. I'd... But uh, I think I think he'll do a much better job. I think my main focus would still be to try and improve against the run. If you can get off the field quicker and you can get to these third down and longs where you've got all these pass rushers and all these blitzes ready to go. I think that plays into the offense and helps you play complementary football, which is one thing Adam Gase is, you know, he stressed last year that they didn't do a good enough job of it. You know, I watched, I watched his post game stuff. He was pissed at how bad they were on third downs, especially on offense the other night. So I think if they can stop the run better, um, that'll play into to this year uh, and having more success on the defensive side of the ball. I think a good parallel for that complimentary football comment you made, and, and you and I talked about this in the past with my that zone blocking scheme where it came from Tom Moore through Clyde Christensen now with Adam Gaze and the Miami Dolphins, you know, with Edger and James, or, or Jay Ajayi kind of being the Edger and James trigger man behind that offense. And I think you could kind of see some of the same aspects of the defense where you know, and it, it's it's funny how much comparisons there really are because if if the Dolphins are going to get in these kind of shootouts all year where they're playing, you know, to score thirty plus points per game, but the defense is on the field a lot and they're having a tough time getting stops, it'll be beneficial for the Dolphins to race out to those, you know, maybe 10, 14 point leads, and then you unleash the guy with a nasty spin move like Dwight Freeney had in Indianapolis with Charles Harris over here. So so just using all these resources they have on the defensive line and the pass rushers to kind of close out games and, and when a team has to pass, I think is the best route for success. And that kind of brings me to, to a question I have for you, Kev. The rookie first-round pick, Charles Harris, we all know what he's capable of or what he did in the SEC. What have you seen from him this preseason, and what are your expectations for him from a snap count standpoint and a production standpoint this year? Yeah, I'd say the number one thing, at least that's impressed me, is I thought he'd be way more of a disaster against the run than he has been. Uh, I think there's really only been two plays where he's been, you know, completely just washed out of, you know, the play. Um, but he's played the run a lot better. I, I like the fact that they they move him inside and they rush him over the guard. That was something he did pretty well at Missouri. Um, as far as his role and snap counts, I kind of see him, you know, as being that third down pass rush specialist right off the bat um but he's played the run well enough where i think he could you know basically be like a true backup to andre branch at that at that right end spot um you know i guess to quantify that if i was going to give you a number i'll say he ends up somewhere between four and eight sacks as a rookie um just you don't know how many opportunities he's going to get you know with veteran guys like branch and wake but um you know, I think that's a pretty reasonable expectation for him. And I think down the road, he'll be, he'll be a starter at some point for Miami within his first contract. Yeah, you'd, you'd hope so. And it'll be curious to see what happens with Will Hayes next year. And then I'd imagine Andre Branch isn't going to be a one and done unless his performance continues to fall off the way it did at the end of last year. But yeah, it'll be curious to see. I mean, you kind of got to have three guys that can really rotate in there. Four is even better. But that gives me, that brings me into another question I have for you, Kev. I got three questions for you and then we'll get into your final roster. 
Um, the next question, I guess, is a good segue for it, is the fifth defensive end currently, I suppose. Terrence Fidei has really had a great preseason in his fourth year, a former seventh-round draft pick, a guy that, you know, seventh-round draft picks don't usually last this long. And to finally start seeing him kind of produce, is it kind of going to be one of those Derek Shelby type of situations where he comes in and plays good in a backup role, goes on somewhere else and kind of gets forgotten? Is he going to get re-signed here? Is he going to get traded? Like, what is going to happen with Terrence Fidei? And as, has he been as dominant as I've, I've as I have seen or I've read about on Twitter and everything? Well, first with Terrence Fidei, he's from the Marist, which is in the Pioneer Football League, which is home to my Dayton Flyers in college football. <laughs> he always gets you it know, in, folks. Gonna, he always gets the Dayton comments. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I think he, he's kind of he kind of is what he always has been. He's been a good run stopping D end. You know, he made a nice play. Um, on the goal line the other night, he made a tackle that prevented a touchdown. Um, I think that was in the second quarter, if I if I remember correctly. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be that pass rushing threat, but I think he could be kind of kind of like a Derek Shelby as far as a run stopper goes. And other than that ridiculous roughing the penalty or roughing the punter penalty he had in the Bengals game last year, right? He's always been a pretty good special teamer. Um, but when you're the fifth guy, you know, how many games was he active last year? I think seven, seven or eight, so barely half. Um, I think he's a guy that you could bring back on a one- or two-year deal if he plays well this year and just kind of, hey, you know, you're a heavier part of the rotation, you know, see what you can do. Um, but, I mean, it, it kind of just depends on how many snaps he gets in the regular season, I think. But uh, I'm glad he's the fifth DN. You can do a lot worse. Um you know, and he's always been a, a decent run stopper, which I don't know that you can comfortably rely on Cameron Wake and Charles Harris all the time in run defense. So I think that's a good thing to have. Yeah, it might actually allow you to get away from Will Hayes if he decides to move on or retire at the end of the year. So that's something to keep an eye on. And then the next guy, I had a question for you here, Kevin. I'm, I'm looking at my whiteboard right to my left with all the my roster predictions and everything. I'm looking at the linebackers, and you've obviously got Kiko and Timmons are the two guys that are going to probably never leave the field, at least for the most mm-hmm. part. And then you have a logjam of guys trying to fill out that Raekwon McMillan position. And it's, you know, everyone's talking about, well, I suppose a lot of people that don't know him the way you know him. Kevin's from Cincinnati or the Cincinnati area, and he knows how poor Ray Maluga has been in recent years. But that's the guy that everyone's talking about. Mike Hole, I, I don't really see it with him. And then Deion Lacey has some flashes, but had some bad plays as well. But the guy that seems to kind of get forgotten in that mix is Neville Hewitt. And, he hasn't really popped up at all this preseason. I'm curious to see how you fit in and how the Dolphins will fill that that third linebacker role without Rayquad McMillan in the in the mix anymore. Yeah, it it sucks for fans. I think everyone had a pretty high opinion of Rayquad McMillan. I, I really liked him. I think that was probably my favorite pick uh, during the draft. Um, it sucks for him, but you know he's he's always been a hard worker and he. You know, it's the first injury he's ever had, so hopefully he comes back. Um, you know, Ray Maluga is what he is. He's going to stop the run from B-gap to B-gap, but if you ask him to do anything outside of that, it's going to end up bad. You know, he's always bit on play-action fakes way too hard. He cannot cover tight ends. He cannot cover backs. So to me, you know, it's just one of those things where I think you have to know exactly when and where you are on the football field and who the offense has in their personnel group before you put Ray Maluga in there. Uh, Marvin Lewis actually adopted a rule last year with the Bengals where if the other team played a fullback, Ray came on the field. If the fullback went off, Ray went off. 
I think that's almost a fair way to do it. Um, I think you can you can sneak by with Mike Hole. I think he's he's obviously more athletic than Ray, but I don't know that he's got that size and speed that you need to be an every down player in the NFL. I don't think we'll ever get that. Um, but I think he's a, he's a valuable fill in. Uh, hopefully nothing happens to Kiko Alonso and Lawrence Timmons. Um, this year because we're going to need those guys as much as we can. Um, and then Neville Hewitt, I think he's had a shoulder injury, which is why he's missed all three preseason games so far. Um, but I remember like watching all of Matt Burke's like interviews throughout the offseason, and one guy he always seemed to single out was Neville Hewitt as doing a good job and improving. Um, I thought he played the run pretty well last year. So unless that injury problem is going to linger into the regular season, I've got him on my roster um, but it'd be nice to see him play this last preseason game, uh, or if they know for sure, he'll be ready for week one. Otherwise, I think that backup linebacker spot might be a place where Miami's, you know, making a lot of calls to the guys that get cut or maybe a trade. Um, and then you mentioned Dion Lacey. Um, I like him, but I think if I'm going to keep him on my roster, which I am, he's going to be guy number six. Yeah. I, I only want him for special teams at the right. moment you can kind of try and develop that skill set. Cause I think he's done some good stuff um, in the passing game. As far as coverages go, um, he's been okay on special teams. He made a tackle on the uh, first kickoff. The dolphins had the other night against the Eagles. Um, but he's also missed his fair share of tackles this preseason as well. Yeah. I, w- I want to see more of him too. I-, I agree with that completely where he is in the roster and the way you mentioned Neville Hewitt, the way I- the reason I brought it up like that was I, you mentioned he's good against the run, and, and you, you see that on tape last year, at least late in the year or you know last couple of years, but you see him in coverage just kind of completely lost. That's why I'm curious to see if maybe they can find a way to get him onto the field in some of those base, or I guess you call them base packages, but they're not really base packages anymore. They, yeah. they used to be. Uh, but I'm just curious if, because, I mean, there's kind of, the, the way the Dolphins linebackers shift, they, they do have their assigned positions, but they do move around a lot too. So I'm curious if you can find a way just to get him, Alonzo, and Timmons on the field and just kind of rotate things based on matchups, like you mentioned. And in terms of getting Ray Maluga on the field, when you mentioned that, I, all I could think about was the Patriots sub packages and the way they rotate running backs into, into the game and stuff. And I was just thinking they're going to put Rex Burkhead at fullback, Deion Lewis at running back, and then Maluga's going to have to cover one of those guys, and it's going to be a nightmare. So, I, yeah, I, yeah, I would only play him on the goal line against the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> that's for trouble. I, I agree. So I'm glad we're in agreement there. Last question here for you, Kev, before I get your 26 guys on the roster, and that is it has to do with the safeties. And we saw Rashad Jones struggle the other night. I'm not worried about him. I know you're not worried either. But the guys that play alongside him have had their struggles, and those are guys that you should worry about. Uh, so when everyone's healthy and back from suspension, cough, TJ McDonald, cough, uh, <laughs> who, who is going to be the second safety with Rashad Jones when, when, uh, when everyone's back and ready to play? That's a that's a tough question. I'm not sure I have a complete answer, but I'll throw this out there. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me by any stretch of the means if by the end of the season a guy like Maurice Smith or AJ Hendy is that starter, to be completely honest with you. But um you know, for me, I've always been a guy that believes in continuity. So I guess if Nate Allen goes out there and he's not doing a terrible job. I would just kind of stick with that and, until you can find a way to get TJ McDonald on the field. Um, I think McDonald's pretty limited in this scheme and that he's got to be a box safety, which unfortunately for Miami is the thing that Rashad Jones is also the best at. 
you can play Jones deep, but you're not maximizing his, you know, his skill set. So TJ McDonald for me is going to be an interesting one. I do kind of wonder if he's a guy that they would maybe bring down into the box in some nickel packages and maybe run some things with three safeties on the field. I know they didn't do that very much at all last year. I think uh, someone showed me a stat where Miami had more linebackers on the field than like all but one team last year. And I think the team that had more was a 3-4 team. So they've got one more player on the field usually right. just by sheer mechanics of it. So we'll see. Um, I guess right now I'd, I'd lay my money on Nate Allen as long as he doesn't get hurt. But I've been pretty intrigued by what Marie Smith can do. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, if he ended up starting a couple games here and there. Yeah, I was, glad to hear you, I was glad to hear you say that with AJ Hendy because I, I like watching him at the end of games close out. And you can just – when you watch those games – the preseason games late in the fourth quarter, the, the, the thing I kind of look for is who has like the energy and kind of that, that extra step or that like, extra burst. And those guys both seem to have that. And it's fun to watch them play it, you know, in tandem out there together. So I want to see one of those guys get a crack at some point, if it's not working out for Nate Allen or TJ McDonald. All right, Kev, I, we got to get to it now. Before we get into your roster prediction, I got to take another break for an ad real quick. We've kind of gone long on the show, so I got to put another one in there. So we'll come back right after this with Kevin's 26 defensive players. He wants to keep. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. List. All right, we're back here with Kevin Dern, special guest on today's episode, and Kevin's going to give us the 26 defensive players he's going to keep. I already gave the 24 offensive players, so that gives you 50 with the three specialists, which I think we can agree, Kevin off the top, Andrew Franks, Matt Dar, and John Denny still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be my three. All right, not going to change from last year. So that's the, the specialist. You've heard the offense. Kevin, let's hear the, the defensive players. All right, so I'm keeping uh, nine defensive linemen, five ends, four D tackles. So I think the ends are pretty obvious. Cameron Wake, Andre Branch, Will Hayes, Charles Harris, Terrence Fiday. The four D tackles, um, and Dominican Sue, Devon Godchild, Jordan Phillips. And I've been really impressed with Vincent Taylor, the rookie. So I'm giving him the spot for now. Uh, linebacker, as we just kind of talked about, I think there may be some room for free agents or trades there, depending on injuries. But Going with the guys on the roster right now, I've got Kiko Alonso, Mike Hull, Lawrence Timmons, Neville Hewitt, Ray Maluga, and Dion Lacey. And then in the secondary, at cornerback, I'm going with Xavier Howard, Byron Maxwell, Cordray Tankersley, Alteron Werner, Lafayette Pitts, and then Bobby McCain would be my, my starting slot guy. Safeties right now, I would have Nate Allen, Rashad Jones, Maurice Smith, uh, Michael Thomas and AJ Hendy, uh, and obviously TJ McDonald suspended. So that's my 26 for right now. We have the exact same 26, not a single difference there. So that means the one yeah. roster spot we disagreed on was a possible backup offensive lineman, which, <laughs> I mean, we, we both agreed it could go either way there. So not yeah. a lot of discrepancy there. But I do want to hear about your practice squad guys because I think that there are a good number of guys that could that could potentially be players in the future in this league that we could stash in the practice squad. So I want to hear those four guys you had listed. 
Yeah, so I've got one guy kind of above the other three because I think he's got real potential, and then the other three I think are, are kind of 50-50 at best. But Praise Martin of Week A. Yes, that's we, my guy. We can say, yeah, he's he's the number one guy. He's really flashing the preseason. Um, I really struggle with this because I feel like if they cut him and try and bring him back, there's going to be some 3-4 team out there like Pittsburgh that's going to try and make him an outside linebacker, and we'll never hear from him again until he scrambles Matt Moore's brains in a playoff game. <laughs> Uh, the other three guys I had, um, I've been kind of impressed with Tory McTire, the corner from UNLV. Um, he's played outside and in the slot, so I think there's some versatility there. Um, the next guy would be Cameron Malvo, the defensive end. I think he's got the perfect size, you know, prototypical body for the wide nine, but, I mean, he hasn't really done a whole lot uh, in this preseason to this point. And then the last guy would be Chase Allen. I know there's a lot of guys that like him, but I think Miami's in big trouble if he's on the active roster um, to start the season. He just seems like he's a beat or two too slow, um, but he's made some big hits. You know, he's he's out there, he's active. I think there's some talent to work with. I don't know that this is maybe the right scheme for him, but I think he's a guy that might be able to find a job somewhere in the NFL down the road. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I think that you made made a good point about how if he makes the roster, then I just don't see him being a, a production or a productive player of, of the defense, at least this year. So we'll see about how that goes. But I like that list too. The, in terms of praise, Martin, how how do you say his last name? Ogake? Ogwe- I've heard it Ogweke Ogwe- and Ogweke. I'm not sure Ogwe- which one is correct. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I wasn't correct. even close on either of those. But yeah, he's yeah. I, with him I noticed that he's always the first guy off the snap, and that's something I always like to watch with those guys late in the game. You know, obviously Cam Wake has made a career off being that guy. So good to hear that. Kev, that's all I got for you today. Is there anything else you can add to the podcast? No, I'll just say thanks for having me on. And uh, I've been able to listen to it at work a lot when I can. So uh, good to see you doing some big things. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I definitely want to have you on more uh, in the season two. The, the only reason I really can't get Kevin on as much as I'd like to is because he lives on the East Coast. I live on the West Coast. And it's just so much easier to record on my own. But I do want to have you on more in the future. Okay, Kev? Yeah, sounds good. All right, let's do that in the future, and then uh, let's get you out of here. I will do the outro real quick, but uh, first, let's say goodbye to Kevin. All right, that was my special guest, Kevin Dern. You can find him on Twitter, at KevinMD4. Like I said, the guy's a defensive wizard. He knows the ins and outs of coverages and schemes and these players as well, too. So check him out. We'll get him on more for some shows in the future. That'll do it for today's show. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a rating and review. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL, and check out thirdand10.com. We'll be back on Wednesday for a preview of the preseason finale. But until then, this has been your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football, the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Fins up. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.